Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. Uh, my name's Chris. We're so glad that you're here today. And uh, I want to celebrate a couple of things right at the beginning. Uh, you guys have been so generous, and I wanted to share a couple updates of what God has done through your lives. Uh, the first thing is on uh, two weeks ago, so before Thanksgiving, we actually collected an offering for rebuilding uh, different homes that were struggling uh, because of the hurricane in Florida and also uh, in Puerto Rico and then in Texas. And so as a church, we were able to raise uh, $1,744 for that. So uh, pretty cool. That will go to a ministry called Convoy for Hope. And so I want to encourage you uh, to uh, go ahead and uh, continue to be generous. The rebuilding always takes a lot longer than uh, the initial help, uh, so we're grateful for that. Second thing is, uh, we started a new ministry called the Community Basket, which is a non-food food bank that allows people to get hygiene items, uh, five different items, uh, to be able uh, to care for their needs and to help for, uh, to offset their budget with that. And so uh, with that, we've served 235 people in the month of November, and you can see uh, some of the items there. Uh, so very cool. Thank you guys uh, for doing that. And yesterday was the first time in December, and I just got the numbers. We served 167 people yesterday. So you can see already uh, that uh, this is going to have a huge impact. Well, the reason I share those things with you is because I love to share good news. And whenever we have good news, we just can't keep it to ourselves. We actually have to be able to share it with somebody else. That regardless of who it is, we want to share that good news. And that's why today I had to share with you about uh, the hurricane uh, relief fund that we had to rebuild and also to talk about the community basket. Well, uh, I also want to talk to you about a few other things in my life that were good news experiences for me. Uh, the first one was, happened when I was at the age of 16. I was able to buy uh, my first car, and in doing so, I had to collect. I was a big miser early on in my life. So I collected all of my birthday money and all of my Christmas money uh, as long as I could remember for my whole life and then everything that I earned from uh, doing chores and that kind of stuff, I selected that as well. And in 1988, this is what I bought. A 1979 Pontiac Grand Prix. And it was awesome. And it cost me $2,000. And I bought it off a guy uh, named Don Benefil who kept it in immaculate condition, and everything was amazing with this car. The only problem was it still had its original uh, stereo system. So I had to get me a JVC uh, cassette player, okay? How many of you know what cassette players are, okay? The rest of you, Google it. Just what, you know, it'll get boring later on. Just go ahead, Google it, you know, and uh, try it out. But you had these little cassette tapes that you actually put in and it would play the music. And I would be going down the road in my Pontiac Grand Prix with it bumping in the back going boom, 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 just going, yeah. And it was a chick magnet. I mean, chicks would just like, you know, come to, to, to this car. And it was amazing. And uh, I loved it. And... Uh, like I said, I was so excited. I, I just told anyone and everyone that I could. Well, maybe it's good news that happens to you like this. Another time I can remember taking this car and uh, my uh, future wife, I, we went on a date together. Uh, I picked her up in this car. We pulled up. Uh, not exactly that car, but a car like that. Okay, some of you are like, that looks like an ocean bunch. Uh, I don't think you... Uh, not that car, but it looked like that car, okay? And so I, uh, I picked her up, and we went to the only true Mexican restaurant back in the 90s called 
Chi-Chi's, right? <laughs> see, some of you, you go to the store and you see Chi-Chi salsa and you're like, it's salsa. No, no. At one day, it was a restaurant. And uh, so I, I picked Jen up. We went to Chi-Chi's. Everything's going well. And uh, there was only one problem with the car when I picked Jen up. The back quarter panel, my girlfriend before Jen had wrecked it. Now, honestly, you couldn't wreck these cars, right? I mean, these were like, you know, steel machines. But there was a dent in the back corner, and she told me about it. She said, what happened? I said, well, my ex-girlfriend, you know, wrecked it. And we dated for a few months, and then one day she said, hey, could I borrow your car? I need to go down to Indianapolis. I said, you're not going to be like my ex-girlfriend and wreck it, are you? (laughs) And she said, no, 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 no. I'll be a good driver. Everything will be great. I said, okay, go ahead. And so she drives down to Indy, no problem. She's driving back when all of a sudden as she's driving, this is the view she had. The hood actually flipped up in front of her all the way up on State Road 13 going north to North Manchester. And she luckily was able to pull it over. But now you have this hood that's just straight up. And... What we had to do was a farmer stopped by and he got his wrenches out and took the hood off and then she drove the car to school with nothing but the engine showing. And this is what I want you to realize. Sometimes good news for one person is not good news for another person. And so... It was the scariest moment of Jen's life ever driving a vehicle. The good news was she still married me. Okay? So that's it. So sometimes something that good that happens to one person isn't necessarily good for another. Maybe it's when you had your first child, if you're a parent, and you have this first baby, and you're so excited, and you're just wanting to tell this good news of how wonderful that it is. And I remember when we, um, you know, had our first daughter, Jordan, and uh, Jennifer was in labor for 13 hours, and they couldn't get the baby out, and so they got this vacuum suction cup, and they put it in my wife, and I was going, whoa, what's that about? And they sucked the baby out. And when that happened, there was this cone-shaped head that came out. And all of a sudden, you know what I thought? She's a cone head. (laughs) But she was the most beautiful cone head I knew. And I started telling everybody about this cone head. (laughs) Now, sometimes it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a small thing. When Jennifer and I moved here in 1998, someone told us, you've got to go to Greek's Pizza. And we're like, ah, Greek's Pizza, okay, we've been to pizza places before, we'll go. And we go, and we had their breadsticks. And they smother it with garlic butter, and they put cheese on it. Um, How many of you have ever been to Greek's before? Raise your hand, okay? Yeah, and we, we ate that. And it was just like, I, like, I don't know how you could be an atheist after eating that. You know what I mean? Like, you have to believe there's a God at that point. And it's just amazing. It was like, you know, uh, manna from heaven that was right there. It was just amazing. And uh, when anyone would move to Muncie and they're like, hey, we got a pizza place. I know, Pizza King, other things. But for me, it's like, you got to go to Greek's Pizzeria. The guy even puts his name on the box. So you know that it's got to be good. You know what I mean? Like they're taking ownership for what they made. Well, sometimes it will be experience that you've had. Now, probably each day I get a video uh, from somebody who will send me a video and they'll say, you've got to watch this. You've just got to watch this. And uh, usually it's 60 seconds, and what I want to do, I want to show you here in just a second, a 60-second uh, video. And partly, it's to illustrate how much we enjoy just sending videos, but partly it's to share with you how a person can have both joy and terror at the same time, which is very similar to what happens in the Christmas story. Let's take a look. What's in there? Yeah. A lot of what? Okay, ketchup. Oh, okay, here. Let me help you, okay? I 
like it's something. <gasps> What's this? Wow! Wow! What a hole! Oh, oh, no, I don't like it touching. You don't like to touch them? No. Okay, then. That's claws? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You see them? you love that? Can I touch him? No. Can I touch him? No. You know, it's just amazing. And this particular video, what happened is it went viral. And once something goes viral, then it almost becomes like a virus and it starts spreading and everyone starts sharing this with everyone else. And we're driven that same way. When we get something exciting or fun or good news that we want to share, we just have to share it. And we love to share good news. Well, with that in mind, I want to share with you a statement from the Christmas story. It's found in Luke, which is the second book of the, or the third book of the New Testament. And it's in the second chapter of Luke, in Luke chapter 2. And this is told to a group of shepherds. And Luke says this, when they had uh, seen him, Jesus, what did they do? What's it say? They spread the word. When they saw him, they spread the word. Now, before this, they were just shepherds. But once they got, once they got the message, once they got the mission, then all of a sudden, they were becoming life changers. And that's the big idea I want to talk about this morning. And this is your first fill in and you can do it on our app as well. But it's this, that God is calling you to be a life changer, not just to sit on the sideline, not just to go through the motions, but God calls you to be a life changer. And for the rest of our time, what I want to do is talk about being a life changer, and why that matters so much, and why is it the God of the heaven and the earth invites us to be a part of being that life change plan. So, here's how the Christmas story goes in Luke. And it came to pass in those days that there was a decree from Caesar Augustus that All the world should be, what's the word? Taxed. And all went to be taxed, everyone into their own city. And Joseph also went up to Galilee, one of, uh, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So at the very beginning of this story, we are introduced to a character named Caesar Augustus. And he was the first emperor of Rome, the first Roman emperor. And just think of the audacity of this guy. He says, I'm going to tax the world. And so everybody give me money because I deserve it. I ought to receive it. Why? Because Caesar Augustus thought he was the most powerful person And because he came on the stage, now he was going to be able to give good news to the world. In fact, he thought he was the good news of the world. As a matter of fact, there is a phrase in an ancient inscription that says this. Caesar Augustus is what? Savior of the world. He said... I'm Caesar Augustus, and I'm actually the Savior 
of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but when you take on that phrase, that's pretty loaded. You are the savior of the world. And Caesar claimed that title. In fact, the word gospel that we talk about in the church is a word that means good news. And what would happen in the ancient world in the first century is that every single Caesar, after Caesar Augustus, they would say, this Caesar is bringing the gospel. This Caesar is bringing the good news. Because the assumption was, with each new Caesar, all of humanity would receive good news. Here's another ancient inscription from the first century regarding him. The birthday of the God of Augustus. So think about that. He's not just saying he's anybody. He's actually saying I'm divine. The birthday of the God Augustus has marked the beginning of the good news. That word gospel translated in the Greek news for the world. Now, this is kind of an odd thing, don't you think? The birthday of Caesar was regarded as the beginning of the gospel, the good news. Now, does anyone know when Caesar Augustus' birthday is? Don't try to look it up real quick. I had no time this week, you know, so I went ahead and I looked it up for you. And it's September 23rd. Okay, that's when his birthday is. So you can't go out and get a birthday card or anything like that. Okay, and I looked on Hallmark. When you look at all of the cards that are sold for his birthday, guess how many there are? Zero. Now, there's another birthday, though, from a long, long time ago that is going real strong even today for 2,000 years. And I just wonder, would that birthday come as a surprise to Caesar? I mean, Caesar had the money. Caesar had the power. Caesar had the clout. He believed his reign would be the good news for the world. He was bringing peace to the world. He was bringing prosperity to the world. And any reader, if they would have opened up Luke's writing at that time in the first century and they would have read it, they would have said, oh, Caesar Augustus is gospel. Caesar Augustus is good news. But in another part of the world, in another country that Caesar probably didn't even know existed, there was another guy named Joseph who took a walk to his hometown. By the way, that hometown just happens to be the one that was prophesied 700 years before that would be the place where the Messiah, the Son of God, would be born. So anybody, though, in the first century who's reading this and they're like, here's good news, but here's good news. Who's like really in charge? Who is really making the decisions? Who has the real good news? Folks, the story of Christmas is the story of Joseph going home. Because Christmas is all about going home. Now, we don't know much about Joseph's home. We don't know if he went back there because he still had some property there. We don't know if he had some family there. The only thing that we know is that this little teeny tiny place, this little town called Bethlehem was his hometown. Now, time out here just for a second. Sometimes we sing songs or we look at words, but we have no idea what they mean. The word Bethlehem means the house of bread. House of bread. Of bread. And one would actually be born there who one day, do you remember 30 years later, he actually said, I am the bread of life. And he said, anyone who's hungry 
Because I was born in the house of bread. I know about bread. I, I know how to give bread. But not just your physical hunger, but if you're spiritually hunger in your soul, come to me and I'll satisfy what you need. You know, when I uh, think about Christmas, what I think about is 2302 West Geneva Avenue in Marion, Indiana. Because that's where Christmas came alive for me. And the week before Christmas, my mom was not a big baker. But the one thing, the week before Christmas, she would start baking and you would smell bread in the house. And in particular, these things called cinnamon rolls. And the yeast would be there and everything was there and you could see the icing on it and it tasted so wonderful and it was just out of this world. And you'd smell that all year long because you knew the rest of the year you weren't going to get squat. But on that week, you were going to eat good. So that was it. And it was like bread from heaven, these rolls. And then for me, when I think about Christmas, I think about Christmas Eve and us going to my rich uncle Phil's house. You know how like you all have relatives and some people you're like, I hope I don't get anything from them. But then there's some people that like are rich and you're like, well, I can't wait to go to their house, you know. And so we always loved to go to my rich Uncle Phil's house who had uh, owned his own construction company, a very wealthy man, and he had a basement that was finished. Like back in the 70s, people, uh, I didn't know anyone who had a finished basement. I'd never gone to a home where someone had a finished basement. That's just where people threw all their junk, you know, and you just like kept it down there. It was dirty, drab, nasty, but his was finished. And in this basement... There was a pinball machine, and there was a pool table, and you didn't have to pay for it. And he had these quarters all over the place, and you would play all this, and my cousins and my brother and sister, we would play down in this basement, and we'd play all day long until presents came. And then my rich Uncle Phil always wanted to be Santa Claus, so he would have all the gifts. And again, you wanted a present from him because you knew it was going to be the best present you probably got all Christmas. And he would play Santa, and he'd be like, is there a Chris here? i go, me, 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 me. He's like, I don't think I know who that is. Let's put it back down here. And then he'd pull out another one. He'd pass those out. And, man, it was wonderful. And it was like the pinnacle. And then after that, we had to go to a Christmas Eve service and listen to my dad talk for hours upon end. <laughs> and it felt like he would never stop, you know. And we would just sit there, the three of us, like, oh, God, please, you know. If Jesus truly did come back to earth, let him come and return again because this has to stop. <laughs> and then Christmas Day would come. And we would wake up, and I'll never forget, we would always buy a live tree, and it would be in our front uh, living room window, and there would be presents all around it. And the smell of bread, you know, from what my mom had made was baking. And then my mom would get these, I'm going to freak out some of you that are less than 30 right now. She would get these things called records. (laughs) And she would pull them out. And we would start listening to this Christmas music because she loved Christmas music. She wanted to be there. And it was all these old people that I did not know. Frank Sinatra, Andy Williams, Bing Bing Crosby. And one of her favorites was from Bing Crosby called I'll Be Home for Christmas. In 1943, he sang that for the very first time. And he sang this song from a point of view of a soldier stationed overseas during World War II. And he writes a letter to his family, and he lets them know, hey, I'm coming home for Christmas, and I want everything to be ready, everything to be right. And just think about that. 74 years years later, it's still one of the most popular songs that we ever listen to during Christmas. Because whether your loved one is in the military or overseas, or maybe 
you're estranged from a son or a daughter or a mom or a dad, there's this sense that I hope they'll be home for Christmas. And it's a song that brings great emotion to people. Now, that phrase, I'll be home for Christmas, either either brings nostalgia and gratitude that you're excited, or it actually is a song that relives some sense of pain. I mean, maybe your home was peaceful and loving, like the story of my home growing up as a kid, but maybe, quite honestly, you grew up in a home where there was a lot of chaos and a lot of hurt And it often happened during holidays. Either way, Christmas is known for home. Because it's at home that we have our highest highs and we have our lowest lows. That's why next week, I want to encourage you right now to invite someone to come. I'm going to be teaching on this topic. Help! I'm going home for Christmas. Because that's the truth. Some of the weirdest things happen at home. And home has this sense of bringing up all kinds of emotions. I mean, that word home can create the greatest joy that we've ever known before. And yet that word home also can bring about some of the greatest pain that we've experienced. In fact, the word home, if you think about it, it's actually kind of hard to define. Because it's more than just the place where you lay your body down or you live in or where you're at. But home is a place where you're supposed to belong. Home is a place where you're supposed to be safe. Home is a place where you are supposed to have love that prevails. And sometimes people lose their home. And they become homeless. Or maybe they live in a shelter and they live in that place, but it's not their home. And sometimes people actually live in a house, but it never feels like a home because there's chaos and crazy that's always going inside that building. And yet all of us, we're longing for a home. And our homesickness cannot be satisfied by this world. Folks, you and I... And everybody I know, we long for a deeper home. Jesus came to talk about this, and Jesus actually said these words. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them and will come to them. And then there is this amazing promise. And make our, what's it say? Our home With them. You were meant to be the place that God calls home. God desires for you to be at home with Him and for Him to be at home in you. And the invitation, it goes out to every single person. In fact, One day Jesus said these words. He said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone knows my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And Jesus would tell stories all the time about everyone being welcomed to come home. He told a story one day of a prodigal son, this rebellious son. Maybe some of you are experiencing that right now, some sense of rebellion. And he comes and he's given this inheritance and he takes this inheritance. He goes out, he wasted all, and he's finally in dire straits and he thinks to himself, well, maybe I could go home. I mean, even if they don't welcome me, maybe I could be a servant, but I'll come home. But I don't know how my father's going to welcome me. And the scripture says that before the son even turned the corner to come up the alley to where, or the driveway where his uh, father was at, it says the father was already there and he runs towards the son and he embraces him and shows him great love because he was welcomed home. You see, what he didn't know was that there was a father that was waiting for him 
for days and months and years and decades maybe to welcome him home. And today Jesus says to you, this is the heart of God for you. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever is going on in your life, that you are welcomed home. I just want you to come home. And the invitation, it's open to everybody. Now, for those of you who claim to be Christ followers, who actually have made your home with Christ, there is something that God desires for you to do, and that is to tell other people about God. Just spread the world. Spread the word that Jesus, the Savior of the world, has been born. And anyone and everyone is welcome. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, yep, I knew this was going to come. Christmas is coming and he's going to ask us to invite some people to come to church. You're right, I am. And some of you might be sitting there and you might be going, yeah, 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 but I don't feel adequate or I don't say the right thing or I don't have the right training. I'm not sure. I get scared. My tongue gets tied. I really feel inadequate. Well, folks, if that's you, it's good because we're talking about shepherds today. And the shepherds were the first guys to spread the word. Now, in our days, we have this sentimental kind of perspective of the shepherds. We think of a nativity scene where our kid was the shepherd. We're like, oh, those shepherds are so cute, little cute shepherds. And we think of shepherds, we think, oh, they must have been good guys, kind, loving, caring people. I bet everybody wanted to be around the shepherd. But in Jesus' day, the reality is that shepherds were despised. In Jesus' day, they were looked down upon. They were considered the lowest of the low. They were considered outcasts. In fact, they were not even allowed to go into Bethlehem because people in the general public were afraid that they would just steal something. Plus, what do you think a shepherd smells like? Bad. Really bad. So the Jewish religious leaders, they came up with what they considered the despised occupations. They would sit down and they would say, Mom, Dad, uh, what you don't want is you don't want your kid to grow up to be one of these. And here's just a few of them that Jewish religious leaders would say. First of all, gamblers with dice. Don't let your kid become a gambler with dice. Here's the second one. Pigeon trainer. Now, that's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like, pigeon trainer, what's that all about? Well, they actually had pigeon races back then, and it was all based upon gambling. So if you trained a pigeon, you were a part of the gambling reality. Next thing, Sabbath-violating farmers. That makes sense, right? On the Sabbath, you shouldn't take anything from the field, but if other farmers are working or they're taking stuff off your field, you're going to get upset. And then finally, down at the very bottom, shepherds. Shepherds were considered the scum of the earth. You know what shepherds would do during this time? They would wait until night, and then they would take their hungry sheep to a place where there was a lot of grass, and those sheep would eat it all, and then in the morning they would take off. They just fed their sheep on someone else's land. They would steal sheep. And then all of a sudden when someone would say, that's my sheep, they're like, no, 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 that's my number 84, you know. They would try to do that all the time. Shepherds were just lying, cheating thieves. In fact, in Jewish writing, in a Jewish writing called the Midrash from the ancient world, this is what it said about shepherds. There is not a more disreputable occupation than that of a what? Shepherd. And yet, who does God use to come to at the very beginning to be the eyewitnesses for Jesus, but shepherds? To be able to let them see the birth of God's Son. Now why? Why would they do this? Well, if shepherds could be a witness of the birth of Christ, 
and tell about Jesus, if shepherds could be a witness about Jesus, anybody could be a witness about Jesus. Anyone could spread the word, the good news, to tell other people. Now, we send stuff all the time that is some of the goofiest stuff. It might be a video like I showed you earlier or a video of an animal. People will tell you, oh, there's gas down at Speedway. It's cheaper than anywhere else. And you see people flock to that. Or they're having a case of Coke at Walmart for $3.99. You're like, I'm there. You know? Or there'll be good news of a car or even pizza that is there. Now, if we're willing to, to like share all of this other good stuff to other people, then why in the world would we not share what matters most? One night when these shepherds were in the field, an angel appeared to the shepherds and they were overwhelmed with both fear and joy. Remember, uh, can I see it? No. Can, can I see it? No. And the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you, what's the word? Good news, the gospel to people. It's not about Caesar Augustus. It's not about money. It's not about power. It's not about human circumstances. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for some of the people. Is that what it says? No, it says all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, even you shepherds, and it is Christ the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Savior of the world. It's not Caesar. I mean, Caesar's powerful, and, you know, historically he's powerful, but he is no Jesus. You know, I was thinking about some of the powerful people in our culture today and how we look up to them big time. For example, let's look at this first picture. Who's that? That's Warren Buffett. Is Warren Buffett a powerful man? Yeah. He's like very, very powerful. Warren Buffett can say something and the entire stock market can change overnight because of something that he says. It can go higher. It can go lower because of what he says. Now, he's a powerful person, but he's not Jesus, and he can't save anybody. How about this next one? Who's that? Is Oprah a powerful person? Uh, yeah, like absolutely. She makes people's careers. Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, Gail. Nobody even knew Gail. Nobody knew who Gail was. Now Gail's on CBS Morning. And Charlie's gone, and so Gail's in. I mean, this has worked out great for Gail. Why? Because of Oprah. If Oprah reads a book and she goes, boy, this is a good book, what happens to that book? Bestseller. Right? A few years ago, she bought 10% of stock in Weight Watchers. What do you think happened to Weight Watchers stock that day? Went up 105% one day. Now, she's powerful, but she ain't Jesus. She can't save you. Let's look at the next one. Okay. Imagine LeBron James dunking over someone. Is LeBron James a powerful person? Yeah. He's like... The best basketball player in the world. He has all of these different companies that he's spinning off now. Everything is transpiring and going amazing for him. He's able to take very little talent and win championships. He is an amazing person who has power. But he's not Jesus and he can't save you. How about uh, Taylor Swift? Is Taylor Swift a powerful person? Yeah. Man, if you become a boyfriend of Taylor Swift and you break up with her, you will be the biggest piece of scum and she'll write a song about you to let the world know who you are. Right? Is Taylor Swift powerful? Absolutely. But she's not Jesus. You see, 
This is what we know. There is only one name in heaven or on earth by which we can be saved, and his name is Jesus. And let me tell you how powerful his name is. Only Jesus can answer your prayers. Only Jesus can forgive your sins. Only Jesus died on a cross. Only Jesus went to a grave where he thought it, where the world thought he was dead and gone, and three days later, he rose again. Only Jesus is able to give you a purpose for your life. Only Jesus is able to be the one who can change your life. Only Jesus is able to give you a life after this life here on earth. Only Jesus was born in a manger, died on a cross, was resurrected three days later, and he is changing lives today in the world just as he's done for over 2,000 years. Only Jesus. Yeah, that's something you should clap about. Only Jesus. So the word came to the shepherds and said... You have to tell people. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Folks, again, these are just shepherds. And there's tons of reasons why they shouldn't have said anything. You're not educated. I know, but Jesus, you're not considered anything but the scum of the earth. I know, but Jesus, there's no reason why we should ever give a message to a bunch of losers like you. I know, but Jesus, and these were the ones who were given the call to spread it, and as they did, the world was changed. Now, folks, this is the truth. The shepherds are dead. The shepherds are dead. But you and I aren't dead. And the shepherds are gone, but you and I are still here. And God is calling us to share this message this Christmas. And I'm asking you, will you spread the word? Will you Be a life changer. If you would, I'd like you to pull out this card that was in your program. Uh, If you would, just pull it out. Everybody who has a program. If you don't have one, just raise your hand and uh, we'll get that to you. Um, One of our greeters will get that for you. But this next Saturday, we're having breakfast with Santa. It's from 9 to 11. And if you know any kid... If you know any parents, invite them to come. There'll be games, there'll be crafts, there'll be food, um, there'll be all kinds of fun, and each child gets their picture taken with the real Santa. We don't have fake ones here, okay, folks? We have the real Santa that's coming. He has a real beard, the whole thing. Uh, he's going to be here. So invite people. And if you need to get more of these, stop by the connection stable. You can get more. But the reason you want to invite them is because I looked online, and if you get your picture taken at the mall, it's free. But if you buy a picture, you have to basically take out a loan. (laughs) So people can come here, and they can get it so much cheaper. In fact, this is the cost. Free. Like, it doesn't get better than that. So... You this week can invite anyone, and they can be far from God. Anyone wants a picture with Santa, and they can come, and they can be a part of it. And we've decided we're not going to just mess around. We're actually having a professional photographer, and we're not having like a chintzy background, but we actually uh, purchased a new background, and that's what your kid's picture will look like. So we're going to make it nice and neat and wonderful, and Santa will be in front of that. And you can come, and you can invite anyone co-worker, neighbor, friend, family member to come and to be a part of that. Now, maybe for some of you, you don't have kids, 
and you've become a person who doesn't like kids. Well, if that's who you are, you just flip the other side of it, maybe mark out the one side, and you have an invitation for someone to come next week because next week I'm going to be teaching on, remember what it is? Help! I'm going home for Christmas. Okay? So you can do that and invite someone to come and to be a part of that. And for some of you, you're like, well, how would this change anyone's life? Folks, I can call out dozens and dozens of people who have come to the jar far from God, but they just came to an outreach event. They didn't even come to church. They just did one of our outreach events. And then all of a sudden they warmed up and they came to church. And then not too long after that, they decided, well, hey, maybe I'll actually give this Jesus a chance. And then they came to Christ and the whole family was changed just because someone invited them somewhere. And you can be a part of that life-changing experience. So, wouldn't you want to be? Would you? The, the answer is yes, in case you're not. I know there's, you know, you're listening to things, but here's the answer. It's yes. Yes. To be able to invite them. And this is the cool thing. Whether you own your own company or you're middle management or you have a low job or you have a high job or you make a lot of money or you make little money, this is the thing. If you're a shepherd even, Jesus is calling us to spread the word, to spread the good news. Because, folks, Jesus is still changing lives today And he wants you to be a part of the life-changing process. So here's my question for you. Will you be a life-changer? Will you be a life-changer? Will you take some time and say, God, would you help me to be the most bold I've ever been in sharing Christ with someone else? Would you be able to say, God, would you put a name or would you put a face in my mind that I could invite? God, maybe for some of you, your heart has kind of been cold and hard and you're like, God, my my heart's been cold and hard, but would you make it tender and warmer to your thing? Because, God, I want to help spread the word. I want to share the good news. Because that's what I was created to do. I invite you to stand for closing prayer. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up. They'll be on both sides of the screen. And uh, if you'd like prayer for anything, they'd love uh, to pray with you. I'd like you to just take a moment to close your eyes, bow your head. If uh, prayer and God is a new thing to you, just take a moment to meditate. We're not asking you to necessarily pray anything, but just to, to be present with God, to be present in your own thoughts. And maybe you're here today, and the reality is that you've never said, God, I want my home in you. You've never given your life to the Savior of the world. You've always thought that because of your past that God wouldn't welcome someone like me home. Or you thought that maybe i got to clean my act up first before God would ever have anything to do with me. Maybe this morning you're like, man, when you talked about the shepherds, that's what I feel like. I'm an outcast. But God loves shepherds. And he wants you to be a part of his family. So today is a day that could be your day. If today is your day, your day where you say, God, I want to have a home. I want to have a home in you. I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to 
love me. I need you to care for me. I need you to meet my needs right now. I need you to be the savior of my world. I need your forgiveness. I need you to make me brand new. If that's you today, before you leave in the back of the gym, Chuck Mock is in the back there. And he would love to pray with you and give you a Bible and let you know what this Christian walk is about and for you to begin a new start in your life beginning today. So if today's your day, you don't have to come up front or anything like that, but just in the end, just go back there and he'd love to do that with you. Let's pray. God, thank you for inviting us to have our home in you. To know that you are always with us, you're always for us, you never walk away, that you desire to be in a relationship with us. Jesus, I pray right now that you would put a name or a face in each of our minds. Someone whose life could be changed and we could be a part of the life-changing process if we just invited them, maybe to the Santa, and maybe it's just a first step to the breakfast with Santa or to church next week. Help, I... I'm going home for Christmas, that it might be that time where someone would open their hearts to you. Maybe it's a coworker, a neighbor, a friend. But God, we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would stir within our hearts to be like the shepherds and to share your good news. God, would you be at work in every single person? I pray, God, that you would bless every church in our community. I pray your blessing upon every ministry. And God, we pray for our church right now that, God, you would help us to spread the word so that many, many people will find Jesus as the Savior of the world this Christmas. I pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, everybody, have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place.